This is Make It Happen, a podcast for big-hearted creative business owners. If you're ready to build an impactful, fulfilling, and sustainable creative work in life, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Jen Carrington, a creative coach based in the UK, and you are listening to episode five of season four. For episode five, I want to dive into five of the questions that I've been asked time and time again by the awesome creatives I work with in my coaching business. As a creative coach, I work with big-hearted creatives who want to cultivate and build impactful, fulfilling, and sustainable creative lives. And we explore the nitty-gritty side of their business, alongside also diving deep into the more personal side of creative living too. There are so many topics and questions I could have included in this episode, but for today, I just want to get laser-focused on the five that I see come up the most and that many creatives can struggle with along the way. Number one, how do I stop freaking out about money when I'm self-employed? My first answer to this is that honestly, freaking out about money never really goes away. I've run a profitable business for two years now. I'm the breadwinner in my relationship. I earn enough to travel throughout the year and save for our future. I've never not been able to pay the bills each month and I still freak out about money. And that's because being in charge of making your own living and wearing all of the hats is scary and complacency just doesn't have a place in this journey. So even if we have a really great month financially, we still have to do it all over again the next month. So accepting that this is sometimes just part of the game of being your own boss is a great first place to start. And then I encourage my clients to just get super, super specific. When it comes to money, I find that knowing our numbers is the best way to feel on top of things and less freaked out along the way. First up is to get super specific on how much money you actually want and need to earn. I always recommend my clients outline two different numbers. First is the baseline number that you have to earn a year if you want to cover your basic living costs like rent, bills, food, transport, any debt payments you may have to make, and a little bit, of course, to live to. That's your baseline number. Then I recommend outlining your target number. This is the amount you'd love to be able to pay yourself to cover both living costs and then the added luxuries of maybe travel or shopping or savings, whatever else it is that you like to spend and invest your money in. But neither of those numbers are actually your final number. Then you also need to work out how much you need to pay your tax bill and then to cover your business expenses and overheads too. Add all three of these together and that is your target income. Then get even more specific. Work out how you're actually going to make that. Sometimes just doing the math of how many clients you can take on a year and how much you're currently charging and seeing that it's just not possible to reach even your baseline goal is a sign that it's time to increase your rates and pivot your marketing techniques. I've worked with so many clients now who are freaking out about money when we first start working together, but it's only once they do this exercise that they realize that they need to evolve their business model if they actually want to reach their income goals along the way. So keep getting super specific, break down how many clients you need to book, at what price, how many products you need to sell, and then you can hopefully see in front of you the practical ways you're actually going to reach your income goals. This won't take away the fear, but it will empower you with the knowledge of how to make the living you want to make in your business. You can then build your year and your focus around the things that actually matter in your business and track your progress and income along the way too. Some other things that I find useful when it comes to navigating finances as a solopreneur is to pay yourself the same amount every single month. This gives you some stability and helps you budget consistently too. I also recommend building up a buffer over time of three to six months or more or less, whatever feels most comfortable to you of your monthly income, so that you can sleep a little better at night knowing that if you have a slow month or two, or if you unexpectedly get sick and have to take time off, you can still pay yourself like normal each month. Okay, number two, how do I find time to also work on my business, not just in it? This is a struggle I've seen so many of my clients face in their business journey. Especially if you're service-based, you may feel like you're spending all your time working with clients and that you never have time to work on your own business too. 
There are a couple of layers to why I encourage my clients to explore here. First is realizing that our business isn't just happening to us. We have a choice on what we spend our time on. We have to treat our own business as high of a priority as we do our clients. Our business and our client workload aren't making decisions for us to not have enough time to work on our business. We are making that decision. The truth is, there are definitely times when we're so jam-packed with client work that we can't really find the time and energy to work on our own business. But this is ultimately not a sustainable way to build and run a business. We need space and time to work on our own stuff. We want to continue to support our business to thrive and grow along the way. So if your business isn't actually giving you any space to work on your own stuff, your first task is to usually explore how you can pivot your routine and business to give you space to work on your own business too. Maybe you need to take on less clients and increase your rates or maybe you need to create secondary and more passive income streams. Maybe you need a season of doing less so that you can ultimately achieve more. It's going to look different for everyone but once you accept that your overworked and jam-packed business isn't sustainable anymore, that's when you can start to slowly make a change. On the other hand, if your issue is that you do have the space to work on your business, but you're struggling to prioritize it and carve out the space and time, then you have to find a way to choose to show up for your business more and pivot your mindset to say that even though working in your business on the day-to-day feels like your most important work, actually working on your business and nurturing it and diving deep into your brand is just as, if not more than, important along the way. If you're struggling to find time to prioritize for marketing or long-term non-client projects or even just time to reflect on your business growth so far and vision for the future, try building in what I like to call a CEO day. This is a day where you don't do any client work, you don't check your inbox, you just spend time with your business and dedicate some energy to the things that you want to work on. A CEO day can help us to get super focused and also hold us accountable to ourselves too. Then, in the long run, your challenge is to find a way to regularly build time into your routine to work on your business, not just in it. For example, I only do client work two to three days a week. I usually then have at least two days a week to actually work on my business, whether that's on creating blog content or weekly letters or this podcast or developing creating new products or working on my development as a coach too. The secret is to find what works best for you. I personally like to work on my business at the beginning of the week, so Mondays and Tuesdays, because I find my head is clearer as I haven't given a lot of my energy to client work yet. Explore how it can best fit into your routine and your schedule, and then commit to actually showing up for your business on those days. If we just stay on the hamster wheel of working in our business constantly, we end up being stagnant sooner or later. Having time to work on our business is essential, but like I said, the first step is actually choosing to prioritise it. Next is number three, how can I make email less stressful? Again, this is another area where I found that choice is a big part of it. Email in many ways is only as stressful as we allow it to be. If we're allowing notifications to distract us throughout the day, if we're checking email on weekends and evenings, and if we're not honoring our email boundaries with our clients and community, we're opening ourselves up to a whole lot of stress along the way. Things I've found useful personally are having separate inboxes for different areas of my business, so an inbox for clients, an inbox for general business communication, an inbox for the podcast, and then a personal inbox for life-related emails. I also have no notifications on my phone. My emails aren't even connected to my phone, and my notifications are turned off on my laptop too. I have dedicated time each day when I check in and reply to emails and I also work from tiered response times so clients get priority and I reply to them within 24 to 48 hours and then any non-urgent emails I reply to generally between 7 to 14 days. I also find the Gmail plugin Boomerang super helpful for scheduling emails in advance too. 
Other things I've seen useful for my clients include having an autoresponder that shares their inbox guidelines and typical response time, using folders to organize their inbox, and outlining their email boundaries and then just holding themselves accountable to them each week. More than anything, you've really just got to find the best way that works for you. The worst thing we can do is compare our email approach to someone else's. I like to keep my client inbox at zero most of the time because that's part of how I show up wholeheartedly for my clients. But I have no issue with my other inboxes having 15 plus emails patiently waiting there for me to reply to soon. There is no right or wrong way to tackle your inbox. My biggest encouragement for you is to define what your values are when it comes to client communication and other business communications, to outline what you want your boundaries to be when it comes to your inbox, and then give yourself permission to tackle your emails in whatever way feels best and works best for you. Inbox zero isn't a sign of self-worth. Neither is a jam-packed inbox a sign of a successful business. Do whatever works best for you and just forget the rest. But know that you can choose to make email joyful instead of stressful. You just got to be brave enough to do it on your own terms. Number four, how can I market myself without feeling icky? One of my favorite things about working with big-hearted creatives is how much integrity fuels everything they do in their business. A question so many clients ask me is, Jen, how can I market myself, my services, and my products without feeling icky and like a used car salesman? I encourage my clients to dive deep and explore, first and foremost, the ways they want to show up in their business and also the ways they don't want to. For example, maybe you feel really comfortable with blogging and using social media to share your message and build a relationship with potential clients and customers, but the thought of aggressive email marketing or Facebook advertising just doesn't feel true to you. Knowing your boundaries when it comes to what feels good and what doesn't feel good to you is always going to be the best place to start. Knowing your boundaries when it comes to what feels good and what doesn't feel good to you is always going to be the best place to start. Then I encourage my clients to think about how they show up best and what mediums may best serve their business to. For example, maybe you have great energy and a great communication style that will translate really well for a podcast or video series. Or maybe you take beautiful photos and you connect best through Instagram. Or maybe you write beautifully and tell incredible stories. So a blog or an email newsletter is going to be a perfect fit for you. And never forget that you can also do a mix of different content mediums too. And then you can explore other layers of marketing. For example, maybe collaborations are going to be really effective for you or being featured as an interview guest on podcasts or maybe doing speaking events or networking at conferences is going to be your secret weapon. Ultimately, you've got to market your business from a place of integrity. It's got to be about connection, serving others, representing your brand in the most honest and effective way, and about bravely putting yourself and your message out there. When we market ourselves wholeheartedly, we can feel good even when we're directly selling because we're doing it in a way that reflects how we want to show up with our work. I found that most icky marketing comes from a place of fear and desperation. We use icky techniques if we feel like we have to get results super fast or if we haven't built a deep enough relationship with our brand to actually feel connected enough to our message and story to share it in a way that resonates and connects. Everyone's marketing plan looks different and everyone has different things that are most effective for their business. But marketing yourself with integrity starts with knowing what integrity looks like for you. In many ways, you just got to be brave enough to market yourself on your own terms and to step out of your comfort zone, but only in the ways that serve your vision and your business, not in the ways that don't feel true to you. And last, number five, how do I stop feeling like I'm not good enough to do the work I want to do? Imposter syndrome, fraudy feelings and insecurity are something I see come up over and over again for my clients, especially when they're first getting started. 
We can fear that we don't have permission to charge for our services or products, that we don't have enough experience, that we're too old or too young or just plain old not good enough. It can be really crippling and it's something I'm betting every business owner faces at times along the way. I think the first step is diving deep into how we define good enough because if we're expecting ourselves to be an expert and have the level of experience that someone 10 years more into this journey has, we're already setting ourselves up to fail. We can only be where we are right now and everyone starts somewhere. So if we've warped our version of good enough in our mind, the first job is to start to rewrite that. Then I recommend bearing witness to the facts. For example, say you're afraid to start your coaching business, but you've actually done lots of training and personal development or pro bono work to build your skill set and develop your practice. And you've had lots of great feedback and you're feeling confident in your ability to serve the clients you want to serve. Then let that be your guide, not those deep-seated fears that are holding you back right now. Or maybe you're a yoga teacher or an illustrator and you want to create in-person workshops and you're afraid that you're not good enough to do so. Look back over previous clients and work you've done and people you've taught and let that remind you about the amazing things that you're capable of. Bear witness to everything that has led you to this moment right here. The truth is, we're all beginners at some point. We can never start off being great at what we do. But if we can back up what it is we want to offer and reflect the truth of our experience for our brand and our messaging and our pricing, we give ourselves space to grow and develop. Staying small and not moving forward due to fear will never be able to do that. It just stops us from doing the work that we're here to do. And sometimes we do need more experience or honing of our craft or confidence building in our work, but that doesn't mean that we can't get started in some capacity. Most of all, I recommend changing the question from what if I'm not good enough to how can I devote myself to being the best that I can be. It's a journey after all and we hopefully have a very long career ahead of us. So devoting ourselves to our work and our craft is how we get to the level that we want to get to. I hope in these answers to these five questions is something that can be encouraging or insightful or supportive to you right now in your creative journey. As always, I'm rooting for you and if you'd like to connect more, you can over at makeyourhappenpodcast.com to explore all episodes in the show at jencarrington.com where you can read my blog for creatives and sign up for weekly letters from me straight to your inbox every other Sunday. Until next time, I hope you have a wonderful day ahead and thank you so much for listening today.